bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting within Oregon Lee. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. Oh, we are back. What's yeah, up, Zach? Yeah, baby. We're back in this thing. How you doing, Judah? I'm good, man. Back from the East Coast. Back from the East Coast. Now we're on the West Coast. The best coast. West Coast, best coast, man. And we are back. We uh, took last week off a little bit with our college football and NFL plays, at least in terms of being as uh, voluminous. Yeah. With both. Were you still able to get some action in last week? Great though? word, by the way. And and I did. <laughs> Don't I, ask me to spell it. <laughs> um, so I, I always post my college football plays on my Twitter at Zach Schlegel. But that's the most I did this weekend. I was really focused on the family. Cousin's wedding. It was a great time. And I couldn't Focus let the, on the family. Isn't that know. like, that's a Christian organization in Denver, I'm pretty <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I couldn't get distracted with the betting this weekend. I had to take the week off, but I'm feeling refreshed and uh, ready to look at the slate this week. Now, sometimes that can be a good thing, though, yeah. right? Like you, almost a forced removal, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's some practicing restraint and, and some discipline almost because you have to. Uh, but it's better than the alternative, which is making blind plays, hoping they work, just trusting your gut, because right. that very rarely ends up resulting in a positive weekend. Yeah, it's better than having a horrible week in which you have to take off because you're just doing so bad that your bankroll can't take it anymore. Yeah, we I think we've all had uh, degrees, varying degrees yeah. of that exact weekend, mm-hmm. so you learn from experience. This podcast, we've got a busy one, man. we got Pac-12 games to get to. Top 25 slate is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Big duck game on Friday night in an mm-hmm. island game, right, in a Friday night window. And, of course, some NFL best bets as well. So let's get right after it, uh, starting with Oregon, Colorado, 13th ranked Oregon and the Buffaloes. This line opened, I think, around Oregon 22 since came down just a point to Oregon 21 with a total at 59. I got to say, Zach, I saw Oregon three touchdowns? Really? That offense after just beating Cal 17-7? Now, I played the under on Cal 13 and a half and the 46 and a half under total. Both were easy winners last week, but I see a total around 59 on here. I'm like, man, okay. That's to me, it's, it's pretty heavily favored Oregon. Yeah. Where do you lean on this game? Yeah. So that total, it's funny. I was looking at the totals for a lot of these PAC 12 games and it, it seems like almost every PAC 12 game this weekend has a total of about 59. I know. Yeah. I was like, is that a key number <laughs> that know, I'm missing? Or like... Go figure, right? So, I mean, well, I guess it is uh, eight touchdowns and a field goal. Yep. Right? So when you True. kind of do the math there, it is it is a key number. Um, and 21 points is a lot of points, uh, especially when you look at how Oregon played last week, how their offense did. Cal's defense we know is legit. Uh, the under for that game was absolutely the play. I was a little worried because uh, I was actually in the middle of the wedding uh, checking the scores every now and then on the game there. I saw the Ducks went down 7 nothing. Of course, they put on 17 straight and won 17-7, so that's that's good news. And our defense has been, look, been looking solid. Um, for me, though, uh, looking at this game, I was thinking the same thing. Wow, 21 is a lot of points. But when you dig into it and you look at Colorado's defense, it explains a lot. Uh, Here's a couple things for you. Colorado's defense has allowed teams to convert 50% of their third downs. That's not good, especially when you got Justin Herbert on the offense for the Ducks. 
Uh, their defense has allowed opponents to complete 66% of their throws. And uh, the other angle here is I'm looking at a little first quarter, first half angle, because I think the Ducks offense is going to get rolling early in this game. But the way it's looking is I think Herbert might have a field day in this one. I think the Ducks can put up a lot of points. But the total, I think it's a little high because Oregon's defense has been stellar so far, and I don't see Colorado putting up many points. Yeah, Oregon right now I think is second in the country in opponent uh, yards per pass right now. I mean, that's how really solid their pass defense is. I know Colorado is in the 100-plus range in that uh, department. They're around 65th or so in rushing. Oregon's Mm -hmm. been having trouble running the football as well as, A, we thought they would going into the season, and, B, um, as probably as well as they should. And the offense, you know, given that they have Justin Herbert, they still haven't displayed the consistent uh, breakthrough, the consistent dynamic potential that we thought they might have. Micah Pittman... Flashed some stuff with his four catches last week in his debut, and that chemistry probably will only increase between Herbert and Pittman and Herbert and uh, Juwan Johnson and the other guys as the season unfolds. Maybe it's this game. Maybe it's now because you think about the next week. You've got UW on the road, so you want to make sure that you're a well-oiled machine by that time you get a rivalry game up in Seattle. Um, So if you were looking at the number or the total, you'd say the total might be the best place to put your eye. Well, I look at the total, and I think under, because I don't think Colorado is going to score a lot, I think this could be a real good tune-up game for the Ducks, and if they let if they let Herbert just you know, go crazy and, and throw the rock around, I think the Ducks can put up a lot of points early in this one and then kind of run the ball and you know, kind of just sort of run it out. Uh, but I'm looking at the first quarter, Judah. Uh, the first quarter total here is 13.5 points. Oregon's averaging 7 points in the first quarter. Colorado, 6.8. And it's just over 13 and a half right there. But I, I really do think that Oregon's offense, the way they played last week, they want to get out to a hot start in this one. And the way Colorado's defense has been looking, uh, Oregon can can definitely execute early in this game. And I think they'll put up a couple of touchdowns in that first quarter. So look for that first quarter total if you can. Mm-hmm. In Corvallis Saturday, Oregon State coming off their big road win at UCLA. I know you had the plus six as one of your plays last week, and of course the Beavers covered that comfortably, won outright. Coming back home to take on a Utah team that's had some ups, you know, had it down there at USC as well, ranked 15th in the country. Utah getting or giving two touchdowns on the road, about 14 or 14 and a half point favorites at Reeser, and the total again, the aforementioned 59 or 59 and a half. Utes and Beefs. Yeah, so the last two meetings between these two teams, we've seen under 40 points. Uh, last meeting was in 2016. Utah won that one 19-14 in Corvallis. Uh, we know Utah is coming off a bye, so they've been preparing for this game. Uh, not that they need to over-prepare for an Oregon State team, but I was telling you off the air, Judah, you could you could tell a story of how this Oregon State team could be four and one at this point. Right, they've lost two games by three points, you know, at Hawaii, uh, and then that game against Stanford, which they could have pulled off after that great comeback. So, I mean, who knows? We'll see if the Beavers uh, come into play, but this is going to be a tough order for them against a Utah team that we know is stout on defense, coming off a bye. They'll be ready for this one. Uh, Utah is 10-6-1, that's 62.5% against the spread off of a bye since 2010. Yeah, and with Zach Moss hopefully getting a little bit more healthy for them, he was banged up, got the bye week. Same with Tyler Huntley. Um, I'll be eager to see if Utah comes out sharp 
right out of the gate. You know, maybe a first quarter number, something to look for with them. Yep. Um, and try to make a statement early on against the Beavers there. USC at ninth ranked Notre Dame. This is a 430 kickoff. This is kind of an interesting one right here. I mean, Notre Dame right now, 10.5 point favorite. A total again of 59.5 in South Bend. But is this an opportunity for USC to play the Irish close? I mean, what do we make of the Irish so far? Their most high-profile yeah. game. They obviously kept, they came in as a big underdog and kept the game pretty close at Georgia. Then they came back and they were able to get, I think, a defensive score against Virginia to cover a number mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. at home. But overall, I think you got to be impressed with the resilience of Notre Dame and kind of their yeah. consistency. And here they are laying 10.5 to Clay Helton's Trojans. I've been pretty impressed with Notre Dame so far in this season. I think they did a good job against Virginia. Great defense. Uh, one, a top five defense, actually, in the country. Uh, at least they were before they played that game. Um, looking at the series here between these two teams, we know it's a big rivalry. You know, we always think about the Bush push, right? That's back right. in the day. That was my childhood, right? There. That was the childhood. <laughs> Uh, USC has won 10 of the last 14, not counting the three vacated games. But Notre Dame has won three of the last four, and that's all during the Clay Helton era. So Notre Dame has had USC's number for the most part under Clay Helton. Uh, Keaton Slovis looks like he's medically cleared to play. I I believe he's going to be starting in this game. Uh, They kind of used the bye week for him to... Uh, get back with that chemistry uh, with him and the receivers. He was throwing a lot to them. Helton said he's looking sharp. He's decisive with his decision-making. And USC will also benefit uh, getting back their safety, uh, Hufanga. Yeah. So he'll be Tell returning for them. Yep. Love that guy. So that's big for the Trojans. But uh, there's a there's some significant trends here, Judah, that go against the Trojans, and I'll name a few. So USC 16-27. and 27. That's 37% against the spread against ranked opponents since 2010. They're 8 and 14, 36% uh, against the spread as a road underdog since 2010. Both apply there. And finally, USC is 12 and 25, just 32% against the spread versus non conference since 2010. So that's three pretty significant trends there going against them. The other thing that I don't like about USC this week, uh, this weekend, is that Michael Pittman started talking a little trash early in the week. He said, <laughs> he said quote, uh, talking about his teammates and referring to the weather, it's going to be about 40 degrees, cold, miserable. He said, I told them to embrace the suck. It's going to be cold, but it'll be fun when we're running up the score. Come on, Mike. Oh, man. You're old enough Come to on. know. That ain't the thing to say, bro. That's not what you say right there. Uh, on top of that, Notre Dame defense forcing 2.8 turnovers per game. That's fourth in college football, so that defense is nasty. I think they're going to get after Slovis. I think they're going to take what Pittman said to heart, uh, and I, I'm leaning Notre Dame minus the 11 here. I'm also looking at the under. 12.30 in the afternoon Saturday, Washington State at 18th-ranked Arizona State. Interesting number here as it's just ASU minus one or a pick in some places. Another total sitting there at 59, the theme of the week. Here are Herm Edwards' Sun Devils. Uh, there's stretches of the season where they look really impressive. You know, the road win at Michigan State, yep. the road win at Cal, despite mm-hmm. Devon Monster having to come into that game. Then I believe they're coming off a uh, bye week as well, and now here they go, early afternoon kickoff against Washington State, and yet it's only a pick or or laying one, and they're in the top 25. Washington State's been struggling the last couple of weeks. They have been struggling, and we've talked about Arizona State so much, and I always say, you know, don't 
uh, you know, don't count out Arizona State, especially as a dog and especially on the road. But in this position, they're at home. They're 4-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in conference. They're the number 18 team in the country. And Washington State, who had a lot of promise this year, is now quickly 0-2 in conference play, 3-2 and two overall. So they, they really need a bounce back here. Both teams are coming off a bye. Washington State just 1-4 and four against the spread uh, so far this year. Both teams, uh, most of their games have gone under the total. Washington State 21-14, and 14, 60% against the spread versus ranked opponents. Um, I think this is a game where Washington State, uh, it's a get-right game for them. I think they are able to go into Arizona State and pull out uh, a tough win. But, I mean, Herm Edwards, man, this guy, I mean, he knows how to coach. He knows how to rally the troops. The freshman quarterback's been looking good so far. So it's really tough. It's not one that I'm running to the counter to bet. Uh, but if I had to lean here, I, I would lean on Washington State, a little get right for them. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, did uh, did Tracy Clays, is he still running that defense at Washington State? I think so. But I, so, yeah. um, I, I was reading some rumors, or at the very least, that he was uh, thinking about stepping down. I mean, mm. that Wazoo defense has been pretty disappointing yeah. in the last few weeks, especially after that UCLA game. So something interesting to watch there. Washington at Arizona, goodness knows. This is a late-night kickoff down in Tucson, six and a half points. UW is favored, but the line open around UW, nine. And since money taken on the uh, home Arizona Wildcats, for pretty obvious reason, another total of 59 but you have an Arizona team that Khalil Tate really rounded into form with his passing game last week, went over 400 yards, had a big, big day, and now you have Washington that's kind of limping on the road. Second straight road game for them after they got upset by Stanford, a game that you called last weekend on the farm. Stanford, that at one point was 17-point dogs, ends up winning the game outright by 10 points. And now yeah. it's one of those classic U-Dub affairs. They, sometimes they just drop the ball down on the farm. They haven't won there still since 2009, Yeah, right? what do you know? Amazing. Oh, my gosh. And, and don't look now, but Arizona 4-1, and 2-0 and in the conference. They're, they're the, the top dog in the South right now. Right. And Washington, a team that many picked to win the conference, is now 1-2 and two in the conference and all of a sudden out of the top 25. Um, so Washington, here's the big thing. Look at Washington's two losses so far to Cal and to Stanford. They they got run all over. And Washington's rush Washington's rush defense is their biggest issue here. So um, that's that's something for me. When I was looking at this line, I was like, "How is Washington just six point favorites at Arizona?" I mean, it, it's it seems like, but it seemed very trappy to me. So I had to I had to look into it, do some research and whatnot. Arizona has won four of the last five in this matchup in Tucson. So when they're at home playing UW, they really step up. Um, but this and this is the first meeting with Kevin Sumlin as the head coach for Arizona. So we'll see how he does uh, in this one, but. Uh, here, here's some things to look out for. Washington's rush defense, I just mentioned, they're allowing, a, they allowed 117 rushing yards per game in 10 Pac-12 games last year, only 3.63 yards per carry. So that was last year. This year in 2019, their rushing defense is allowing 197 yards per game, 5.2 yards per carry wow. in their three Pac-12 games, Cal, USC, and Stanford. Arizona, on the flip side, leads the Pac-12 with 12 rushing touchdowns. They rank second in rushing offense, 221 yards per game. Tate, Khalil Tate, who is you know really starting to get hot right now, this guy is fifth nationally in quarterback yards per carry, 7.25. So the big question is, 
Will Washington finally be able to stop the run? Will they be able to stop dual-threat quarterback Khalil Tate and the three-headed monster rushing attack in Taylor, Brightwell, and Smith that Arizona has? It's it's going to be a tough task for them on the road. We know Tucson gets rocking, and I think Arizona is in a place where they really feel like, man, we're, we're at the top of the South right now. We have a chance to win the South uh, where we're at right now, and, and this Washington team we know has weaknesses. So, man, dude, I... It's crazy, but I feel like I'd have to lean Arizona in the points based on everything I've been telling you. But I think I like the over 59 the most um, because I think Arizona is going to find success in the ground game as most teams have against Washington. Khalil Tate's going to put up touchdowns. And I think Washington on the flip side will get their offense rolling as well um, against an Arizona defense that's you know, not all that great either. And I know the transitive property is, is imperfect, but you start looking at how well Hawaii's been playing mm-hmm. and you recognize they lost by Arizona week zero, not as bad as we thought yeah. at the time where right. they came up one yard from forcing overtime oh my there. gosh, right. Top 25 action. Boy, what a slate this week. And let's start with the Red River r- rivalry. I Tongue really twister. knew, I thought I could say that cleanly. Coming into the pod. You were, you were preparing for oh, that one for a while. It. I actually recited it in my sleep twice <laughs> last night just to get ready. The Red River rivalry. Number six, Oklahoma. Number 11, Texas in the Cotton Bowl. 9 a.m. West Coast kick. Ten and a half. The Sooners are laying in this one with a total north at 75 and a half. Ooh, that's a lot of points. Uh, interesting. Sam Ellinger and Texas. We know they already played LSU to a really close game uh, in Autzen. The over went way over there, though. Uh, now he gets the Oklahoma team that hasn't really been tested by anything uh, very flashy. This is definitely Oklahoma's defense, biggest test, uh, and just overall level of competition. The Sooners are getting the big test. I know Tom, Tom Herman's had a history of covering these games for Texas yeah. against Oklahoma, but still, double digits is double digits. Yeah, you hear it a lot, uh, especially in the betting world, that Tom Herman as a dog, I mean, that's that's just that's the, that's where you want to put your money. Um, yeah, w- w- for lack of a better term, but th- what's interesting here, dude, is that um, I was, I, it was something I just kind of looked into. I, I, I saw that o- uh, Oklahoma's Naval Reserve Officers Training Corps ran the game ball 168 miles all the way to Dallas. So wow. that game ball has been traveling, <laughs> and uh, I don't know what that means for uh, in terms of the betting side of this thing, but it is something that, that's interesting here. A lot of points have been scored in this rivalry, um, you know, as of late. Uh, we know both teams can put up points. We know how great Jalen Hurts has been, completing 75% of his passes, 21 total touchdowns this year. Sam Ellinger. Uh, 69% completion, 20 uh, total touchdowns as well. So these guys, I mean, this is going to be a fun one to watch. Um, Oklahoma is second in total offense. They're 43rd in total defense. Texas, 27th total offense, 93rd total defense. Um, both of these teams, this this is the game right here where you got to ask yourself, uh, if Texas knocks off Oklahoma, does that mean the Big 12 is completely out of the college football playoff race? And something uh, to think about if you're Oregon, some other Pac-12. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I don't know the answer to it, but I would imagine that it's it would definitely make things difficult for the conference. Um, Texas, 30 and 16 to the under versus ranked opponents since 2010. Um, This is a very, very high total, 75 and a half. I think it ticked up from the opener. Uh, I think open is 73 and a half. Um, So it's been going up. 
But I kind of like the under in this one. And just because it's a rivalry game, I want to take the points with Texas. I, I love Oklahoma so much this year, though, and I love Jalen Hurts. His work ethic is just unmatched. Um, but I think just due to the fact that it's it's Tom Herman, it's a rivalry game, um, it's in Texas, I think Texas will be able to keep this thing within single digits. Um, and I do like the under uh, going against the movement there. You know, it's funny. We were talking about Texas-West Virginia last week, possible look-ahead spot for the Longhorns. The line was at 11 all week long. Mm-hmm. And then right, I checked right at kickoff, it was down to 10.5. Wow. Yeah. Lo and behold, it finishes Texas by yeah. 11. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm glad I held off on yeah. that game. <laughs> that is right smack dab on Vegas, the number. man. They knew. They knew. Penn State, Iowa. 10th ranked Penn State, 17th ranked Iowa. Iowa coming off the 10-3 to loss to Michigan. I watched a lot of that game. Disappointed in Iowa's offensive line. They got really handled by Don Brown's defense, especially in the fourth quarter. Not much for Nate Stanley to do with the football last week. Uh, and as for Penn State, man, you know, they're, they're just cleaning up people. Uh, last week they got out to a 28 nothing lead on Purdue. They ended up winning uh, 35-7, so they took the foot off the gas a little bit. Penn State rush defense is like first in the country right now, allowing like 1.7 yards a carry or something crazy like that. Yep. But then again, you know, this Iowa team is certainly, for them, the highest level of competition that they I don't know if they might face all year because they still got Ohio State, they still got Michigan State and stuff like that, but definitely to date, the highest level of competition they'll see. What do you make of the Nittany Lions and the Hawkeyes? Yeah, you're right about that. This is going to be the toughest competition for Penn State so far this season. And, you know, just going back to the game we just talked about, it's the same story for Oklahoma. Texas has been tested, right? You know, they played LSU. They've had some tough games. Oklahoma and Penn State here this weekend are kind of in a similar situation. They're playing their toughest competition, um, so they're going to really need to step up, and we're going to see really what kind of football team uh, we have in both of them. Both of these defenses, Penn State and Iowa, super solid. I mean, they're in the top 10, I think, each. Penn State, sixth in yards allowed per game. They're ninth in opponent first downs per game. And they're first in opponents' rushing yards per attempt. They're only allowing 1.7 yards per rush, Penn State is. So, you know, an Iowa team, which we know, you know, and it likes to run the football. Um, we'll see how much success they're able to get on the ground here against this stout Penn State rush defense. Iowa's defense, third in yards allowed per game, third in opponent first downs, and third in third down conversions allowed. Sounds like a fame. So yeah, I'm <laughs> third. It seems like Iowa just number three is the is the and they scored only three points last uh, last week <laughs> against Michigan. What do you know? They knew. Oh man. So the the defensive trends here point to a tight contest. Uh, potential un, potential under here as well. Um, I but you know what? I was looking into it and they have advanced stats now available to you. And I was looking at uh, average first quarter points. Penn State. Uh, we know last week they got out to a hot like twenty-eight nothing start. It may, maybe it was twenty-one in the first quarter, and they scored another one right in the beginning of the second quarter. But they scored early, and I thought they were going to run up to like fifty or something and just win again, like fifty-nine nothing, like they did to Maryland. Uh, they only won thirty-five-seven. But I think Penn State. Um, I think both of these teams really find success on their early drives in the game because they script them. And I think Penn State and Iowa will have solid like initial drives in this game, and we may even see a couple early scores. But then we're going to see this game really slow down when the defenses start to get comfortable. They start seeing, uh, seeing the ball a little bit more and start understanding what the opposing offense is trying to do. Penn State's averaging 12.2 points 
in the first quarter. Iowa, six. Add those up, do the math, that's 18.2. The first quarter total is nine. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Penn State uh, gets a touchdown here. Maybe Iowa gets a field goal. But I'm going to go over nine points in the first quarter in this game. And I'm also going to lean on Iowa plus three and a half in this game. Just to your point, like, you know, this is the toughest competition Penn State has faced all year. Um, and I think this is going to be a really, really tight contest. We know Kirk Ferentz. He's been there since 1999. Iowa 37-25 against the spread after a loss since 2003. So I think this is a game where Iowa comes to play. We know how difficult it is to play at Iowa. That's where teams, great teams go to die. You know, Ohio State's been there to die. Uh, a few other great teams have gone there and lost. So I think Iowa plus three and a half is the play. In the ACC, we got Willie Taggart. And man, he's just trying to dig himself out of mm-hmm. out of holes uh, every year that he's been in Tallahassee. Karma? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> FSU is at Clemson. Clemson laying 27 at home, a total at 60 in this in this game. Clemson obviously hasn't been the dominant team that we've expected. Um, if you just take out wins and losses and preseason AP ranks, you could argue maybe they're not a top four team in the country in their current uh, situation right now. But here they are as big home favorites against FSU. Is FSU coming off a bye too? I feel like I didn't yeah. see him play last week. Yeah, both coming off of a bye. Um, so both should be well rested, well prepared for this game. Um, but the alarming factor here is that Florida State in the last game they played against NC State, that offensive line is still still pretty bad. Uh, they gave up eight sacks to NC State. And we know that Clemson is going to get after it. We know Venables is going to be dialing up some blitzes. We know he's going to be all up in the backfield. James Blackman was announced as the uh, starter for the game, although Hornybrook will also get some time. So it looks like they're planning to play both quarterbacks. Blackman will get the start here. Uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback if your offensive line doesn't show up. And we know how good Clemson's D-line usually is. Not as good as the year prior, where, I mean, we had just, you know, some first-round studs. Uh, but Clemson, I think, is going to get after it here. It shows the line's 26 and a half, 27. I mean, that's a huge number. I don't know if I can lay that in a rivalry game like this. Um, but the more and more I look at it, I think Clemson's defense is going to wreak havoc on Florida State in this game. I don't see Florida State putting up a whole lot. I see Clemson getting into the 40s. Uh, and this game, you know, maybe something like a 45-14. That's funny. That would be exactly 59 points right there. Um, I'm kind of leaning on the under, uh, but I can't take a, I can't take a side here. Bama and AM. This is another rivalry game uh, in the SEC West. And uh, this is interesting. Bama is a 17-point road favorite at Kyle Field. 61.5 is the total. A&M is an interesting team to follow, too. I mean, they ended up covering kind of backdoorish at Clemson. Then they come back home and host Auburn. They lose in their own building to a true freshman making his first big SEC road start. Uh, Jimbo hasn't exactly, you know, pulled off big wins or big upsets yet to this point of his young A&M tenure. And now you got a Bama team coming into town as 17-point road favorites. Tua is starting to play a lot better. Now he's having statistically one of the best uh, years of any quarterback in the country. Yeah, I'm I'm all over Alabama minus 17. It might, it's one of my favorite plays, I think. I, I look at uh, the line in the Clemson-Texas A&M game. Uh, earlier in the season, it was the same line. 
you know, and, and Texas A&M had the backdoor cover there. But I really think Alabama is a, a better football team this year than Clemson, and I think we're going to see that in this matchup here. Um, I'm going to lay 17 with Alabama here. Uh, a couple trends to look at. I mean, first of all, Alabama is not going to lose this game. They're 49-13 and 13 straight up against ranked opponents since 2010. Best in college football. I mean, are you kidding me? 49-13 and 13 against ranked opponents. I mean, that is just unbelievable. Most of the time, I, those teams are all ranked lower than them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's unbelievable. Uh, Texas A&M. Uh, 18 and 26. That's 40% against the spread against ranked opponents since 2010. And the weird, this is a weird stat. Texas A&M is five and 15, only 25% against the spread after a bye. So it just seems like maybe they just they just don't prepare well on bye weeks, or maybe they just kind of they get they're too rested. They're a little too relaxed out there in Texas. Maybe just eating too much uh, pulled pork out there, or whatever they're eating. That sounds like a great way to spend a bye week, right? <laughs> I need a bye week. That'd yes. be great. So, Bama, minus 17. Book it. SEC action as well. What a great game. Great matchup, at least on paper. Uh, LSU-Florida, fifth-ranked LSU, seventh-ranked Florida, 5 o'clock in Death Valley. Uh, but LSU, a big favorite here, 13 or 13.5, a total at 55.5. LSU offense has just been so nice. Oh, so, yeah. so, so good. Joe so Burrow. Good. It's been really fun to watch him. Florida team. Winning outright as a home dog last week, a short home dog to, to Auburn, and doing so, yes, with an explosive play at the beginning of the game and the explosive defensive scoop and score at the end of the game, which was really fun to watch. In between, I mean, Florida and Auburn, yeah, they're were, they were pretty evenly matched teams. You know, I still think it was a fair line. Florida just found a way to win the game outright with a couple of big explosive plays in that game. But now you got tr- Kyle Trask. I know his knee is a little banged up. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be okay to come into this game, though. And but Death Valley on the road, it's just a different animal, man. So yeah. where do you stand on this LSU thirteen? Yeah, it's it's definitely a different animal. The way the way I see it, I believe that Florida peaked against Auburn in yeah. that game. I think that was their peak. I think that's the best football we're gonna see Florida play all year. And I think they come down to earth here. I think LSU is a much better football team. Um, the lowest they've scored in a game so far was against Utah State. They put up 42. That's the least amount of points they put up. They're, they're going to put up points in this game once again. They're eighth in total offense. Jeez, um, they're averaging 54 points a game. I mean, good golly. Uh, Florida offense is pretty good, too. I mean, they're 19th, averaging 32 points per game. Um, so, I mean, we could see some points in this one, but... Overall, I think LSU is just a much better football team. Joe Burrow, I love the kid. The last meeting between these two teams, Florida won 27-19 in Gainesville. A little bit of a revenge factor here, but I don't look too much into that as much anymore. Uh, but, yeah, LSU, I think they're the better team. Florida reached their peak, and they're just going to be – LSU is going to be too athletic, too fast. I'm going to lay the 13 uh, with the Tigers. All right, so we'll get to our NFL plays in a moment, but just to summarize your lean so far – uh, you are thinking first quarter over Oregon, Colorado. Yep. At 13 and a half. Um, Notre Dame, 10 and a half versus USC. Yeah, laying it, laying it. Where do you, do you like Arizona plus a six and a half? Arizona, yeah, I, I guess I would have to go Arizona plus six and a half in that one just based on based on what I read about that uh, that Washington rush defense. Just been awful so far. You like the under 75 and a half Oklahoma, Texas? I like the under there. 
Iowa plus three and a half, but more importantly, the first quarter over yep. with Iowa Penn State. Yep. And LSU laying the 13, 13 and a half at home to Florida. Yep. And Bama minus 17. That's the one you like the most. That's the one I like the most. Bama minus Roll 17. Roll tide. Roll it. All right. To the NFL. It is week six. Unbelievable. Wow. Sometimes it just feels like the I know. season passes me by. Wow. I'm like, what? It's like, what, what happened? The 49ers are undefeated. Seahawks are 4-1. Oh, man, the Seahawks? And they get the Brownies this weekend? I, I want to hear your take on that one. I want to hear what you're thinking on the Seahawks-Browns. Uh, <laughs> I ain't touching that. Yeah, not touching it. 25-and-a-half-foot pole. Oh, man. But our best bets, man, been okay. 16-8. Yeah. and eight. I know we didn't make official best bets last week. I made a flurry of bets on Thursday night. I wasn't perfect. <laughs> Uh, with the Seahawks, still came out, you know, with the Seahawks line. Obviously, you're talking about inches away from losing the game. I get it. Uh, overs everywhere were the play. Um, I did cash a Seahawks half point first quarter ticket on that miraculous Wilson Lockett play. That was amazing. So that, that gives you just a little jolt of energy. You're like, hey, it's it's lucky, but hey, it's a dub. Yep. Um, so this week, though, man, I, there's not a whole lot that I really like. And that's interesting because normally I could find a couple of play- I need to spend a little bit more time with them as well. But we got some really good matchups, too, which makes for some good lines as opposed to we're recording this on Thursday. Giants, Pats, not exactly the football you want to watch. Injuries on both sides. You know, Shepard, um, Saquon is out for uh, the New York Giants. Somebody else is out. I can't remember. Yeah, they're banged up. Uh, Pats won't be playing Dorsett or Burkhead. So, you know. Pats, I mean, they maybe, may. Maybe an under in bad weather. Yeah, they might just pull a Greg Popovich and just play the backups and just, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll probably win the game, even with their backups in. 42 and a <laughs> half is the total. Yeah, well, they definitely would. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to do much. No. Do you have some best bets that you like, though, for this week in the NFL? Yeah, I got some best bets here for you, Judah. Um, the first one, a classic Zach Schlegel first half under. <laughs> and uh, this one is in the Dallas Cowboys-New York Jets game. We're going to see Sam Darnold back in action. But Sam Darnold, right? Aren't he is, yeah, he is planning to play. He is. Um, and, you know, he's probably going to be, like, a little bit rusty. You know, he hasn't played in a little bit, and he's been sitting out, and the Jets haven't been doing too well. And I don't know how motivated the Jets team is overall. I think the Jets, uh, for the remainder of the season, we're going to see some value on them with Sam Darnold back um, because I do think that their their level of play is going to be elevated with Sam Darnold. They're just absolutely abysmal without him. Uh, but... I see this game playing out, especially early. I see Dallas feeding Zeke. Zeke Elliott hasn't had a 100-yard rush game in a couple games now. They've lost two in a row. Um, He hasn't really been a big factor in the offense. Um, Dak Prescott has been taking a a lot of heat lately. So I think in order to take the pressure off Dak Prescott early in this game, I think they're going to hand it off to Zeke a lot, and I think they're going to try to get him going early. So I see a big game for Zeke. And I see a lot of running clock in the first half. And I also see the Jets uh, feeding the Rock as well in the run game with Sam Darnold just kind of getting back into the flow of things. So I see a lot of runs, a lot of defense, a lot of punts, and a slow first half, and I'm going under 21 and a half. My first pick, uh, I'll go to a divisional game. And um, I won't say that the Niners peaked last week because I do think they're a good team. But... Look, that's a big time high when you can win 31 to 3 on Monday night football against anybody, mm-hmm. let alone a team in Cleveland that I still think is has got some gap between their current state and where they're ultimately end up. 
this season. That being said, I look at a Rams team that's pissed off. Um, you know, they've lost back-to-back games. Uh, yeah, their defense has been a little shoddy, but now they get long rest. They've got a time to regroup, 10 days. Niners, meanwhile, on a short week. Niners at Rams. Rams only laying three. I think there's value here on the Rams. I'm just going to keep it simple. I mean, I know I love Shanahan. I mean, that's an offense I could watch all day, every day. Um, but you get home Jared Goff. And I just think that this is a chance for the Rams to refine themselves. The Niners are 4-0, but at the same time, I I think this is a time for them to take an L and get to 4-1 is still a good team, good record. It sets their trajectory still to probably be above their projected win total in Vegas. I think this is a Rams minus three. That's my first best bet. Okay. No offense. <clears throat> hey, no, it's all good. Um, and I'm glad you I'm glad you said all that because the short week thing is a big factor in the NFL. Um, these are professional football players, and they get banged around, and they get hurt. And the 49ers just lost, I believe, their right tackle or left tackle. I think it was their right tackle. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, huge. Oh, my God. And Kyle Jusic, um, the juice. Um, he's uh, he's also out for four to six weeks, and that's, that's a huge uh, part of their run game. I mean, he was making some amazing blocks in yeah. that one. That first uh, one to spring Brita. Oh, I man. Mean, I love that play design so much. Guy, <laughs> clip out that all twenty-two. If they could put all twenty-two in frames, yeah, uh, as like living art, I would take one of those. That little motion, <laughs> yeah. You check, bam. He's so fast. Right when he broke through that hole, you just knew no one was gonna catch him. It's the cheetah. It is a cheetah. Um, cheetah breeder. Cheetah breeder. Cheetah breeder. So yeah, I mean, it's probably a week where you know, as a 49er fan, I should just stay away from that and just hope that the 49ers are are able to pull it off. Um, but it is going to be a tough spot for them on the road. We know Goff plays a lot better at home, um, so that's a scary one. Uh, my second best bet here, I'm going to go to the Los Angeles Chargers uh, against the Steelers. So the Chargers are at home here. Uh, my guy, Mike Williams, Judah, I, I've had him on my bench in fantasy for a while now, um, but I was just watching a replay of the Clemson-Alabama national title a few years back and, man, that guy is an animal. I mean, he is a specimen. He's been a little banged up early in the season. Last week, he started to kind of break out a little bit. I think we see a big game from Mike Williams, at least I'm hoping, as I'm starting him this week as my flex. Um, but I think— I'm not playing you, am I? <laughs> oh, in a different league. In a different oh, league. good, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, And the Steelers, we saw Mason Rudolph with a concussion. I mean, the guy just looked like he was in a completely different universe. Uh, so the Steelers, I mean, they just, they, it's been rough for them so far this, and that's not going to help them at all. And now they're on the road against the Chargers. Um, I see the Chargers getting out to a quick start here and getting an early lead. And I like the Chargers minus a half first quarter. Well, we're all about, and that's a Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. Minus a half first quarter. Minus a half. Minus a half. Yeah. Just, they have to be winning into the first quarter. Boy, that's, can't be tied. That's really nice. Actually. I played, obviously, uh, I played a couple first quarters this year and you've been good at those. Well, to your point, when teams script plays, you can kind of get a sense of who's good at scripting and executing yeah. the script and who isn't. Right. Green Bay's one of those teams that's really good at executing the script and then struggling to make, you know, mid-game, second-half adjustments. Yep. Uh, look, we just saw that in Dallas, too, right? I mean, it's the same thing with Green Bay every week. Playing first quarter with them, playing Bama first half, playing some of these teams are just teams to bet on first quarter. And I think, to your point, Chargers, you know, to be winning against David, whatever his name is, yeah, third string Pittsburgh yeah. quarterback. Yeah, who who even quarter? is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you might find a prop of like defensive touchdown first half. Yeah, 
plus 300 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe more than that. Yeah, so, I mean, and it shows in the line here, too. The Chargers are favored by a full touchdown. I, I was almost going to go with a minus seven. If it was minus six and a half, I would have liked it more. But but I'm just going to go first quarter. I think they get off to a hot start. I'll stay in the AFC West and uh, fade a team that just won last week. This is going to be my second time this year playing Marcus Mariota's Titans. Ooh. Look, man, you just got to pick your spots with the Titans. Yeah. There was no way in hell I would bet him last week. No. Uh, that was a stay away the whole way. And I know they missed four field goals, but, you know, they lose 14-7 at home. Still, it kind of made sense. Uh, Buffalo's tough as nails, especially on defense. Yep. This week, hey, you know, no uh, no Bradley Chubb for Denver. I know defensively for them, they're still pretty solid. They got the uh, impressive win last week, but they're vulnerable in the run game. Tennessee likes to run the football. Mariota will take care of the ball in the road. Cat, you're giving me two points. I'll take Tennessee to win the football game outright and uh, at least cover the plus two. Yeah, you just, like you said, you have to pick the spots with the Titans. Yeah. Just like fade them, next week play them. Yeah. Fade them, play them, fade them, play them. Got to pick your spots with that team. This, there's there's got to be a name for that category. The yeah. Spot, spot pick them, I don't know. But, you know, some teams you just, it, like I've told you before, and the NFL season is so dynamic, it's yeah. so week to week. You have to have the patience and the uh, just fortitude enough to be able to recognize fade spots and play spots sometimes within the span of a week. It's different in matchups and all that. You know, you can't put these teams in a box for a month of the season, let alone, you know, the entire season. Yeah, they're a, they're a spotty team. I like to call them a Dalmatian team. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The Dalmatian team. I just team. made that up, but uh, hey, we'll go with I it. I think it works. <laughs> I think it works. When they're a live dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Barking Dalmatian. That does work. That does work. <laughs> Dalmatian barking. All right, so my my final my final best bet here. I'm gonna keep it simple. Um, I'm not gonna complicate things. I'm just gonna go ahead and take the Falcons Cardinals over 51 and a half. I, the 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 Falcons defense is just. I mean, are they the worst in the league? I mean, they're pretty bad. They're bad, um, man. And Dan Quinn is trying to get more hands on. And with that defense, that normally tells you things aren't going well. Deshaun Watson had a. Oh my God, he had a game. <laughs> Um, he, yeah, he went off. He had like 50 fantasy points, what, five touchdowns, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I see Kyler Murray, uh, doing his thing against his Falcons defense. And I see Matt Ryan and company probably doing a similar thing against the Cardinals defense. I see points, points, points. I'm going to go over 51 and a half in this one. I think it's a shootout. Uh, in the Falcons last game, there was like 80 plus points. So I'm going over. I think I'll, uh, I'll also go over, um, on uh, Cincinnati Baltimore and mm-hmm. I'm trying to f- I'm having trouble making a last pick here but the totals at 48 right now I think I'll go over there um with Cincinnati Baltimore Baltimore's defense it's not the Baltimore defense yeah. obviously we've grown yeah. accustomed uh to seeing um Cincinnati probably should have won the game against Arizona last week uh came down to a, to a late play or two um you know I don't yeah, I mean, it's right there. The other one, you know what? I'm going to change it. I've done this before. I'm okay, going to change it. Okay. All right, screw this. Cross it out. <laughs> I'm going to take the Miami Dolphin money line. Oh, they, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> because that's what, oh, man. That's what I do. That's going bold. Miami oh, Dolphin man. money line. They're obviously plus three and a half. They're going to win this football game against the uh, not-fighting Bill Callahan's. Gosh, I, you know, it's funny. I was actually about to go the exact opposite just because I, I've seen it before when you fire the head coach. I mean, it could go one or two ways, but it could go positively for you. 
you know, you fire the head coach and the team can rally around that and be like, well, we want to prove that, you know, we don't need that guy anyway. And, you know, we're still going to win and do our thing. And I don't think Jay Gruden deserved it that early in the season, but I actually got the Redskins defense. I picked them up in a couple fantasy leagues, so I'm hoping that they pull through for me. But either way, we'll see. That's the uh, that's the toilet bowl. That is the toilet bowl. <laughs> I'll see if I hate myself at about 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon. You mentioned Seahawks-Browns. That's one and a half right mm-hmm. now for the Hawks. To me, it's a big-time stay away. I know there's obviously an emotional investment in the Seahawks for me as a fan, but uh, you know, I, I know 10 days to prepare for Seattle and short week for Cleveland. That certainly matters. Yeah. But the matchups, I mean, Cleveland obviously still has talent. They probably hit the floor of their season last week. They'll probably bounce back this week. They're more of a 3-3 three and three team in my eyes than a 2-4 and four team, which I know you can't just evaluate based on <clears throat> record in October. Yep. But And Seattle's kind of a 4-2 and two team as opposed to a 5-1 and one team. Yeah. Seattle got kind of lucky last week. Um, but, you know, they also got a quarterback that's playing out of his mind football. To me, I, I, just, I just can't take a side in this game at all. Um, although, I admit, I probably see... Ah, oh, man... I see value on Cleveland except for the long rest for Seattle and the short rest for Cleveland. Yeah. That probably matter. If it was equal rest, I'd probably play the Browns here, but the this only is, reason I can't play the Browns is because of the extra rest for Seattle. It's it's such a hard game to decide. I mean, Jadavian Clowney, I guess, on paper, should have a great day. We saw what the Niners' defensive line was able to do, just create absolute havoc for Baker Mayfield. He couldn't do anything. He looked like a shell of himself. Went 8 of 20, 100 yards, just horrible game but you're right people are looking at this going oh my god Seattle was a one and a half point favorite against the Rams last week now they're a one and a half point favorite against the Browns the Rams are better than the Browns and Seattle won in prime time and the Browns got shut out in prime time oh this is easy let's just take the Seahawks that's why the play is the Browns but we got to stay away got to stay away other lines of note KC minus four and a half at home to Houston that's an interesting game maybe yeah. think about the over in that game too yeah London game, Panthers, Bucks, Carolina minus two and a half. Mm. Panthers revenge from earlier. I don't know. London, Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen, who, man, he does not take good care of the football. No. He's gotten lucky. But McCaffrey, MVP, maybe. Amazing. Vikings minus three at home to Philly is an interesting game, too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so. Maybe. I lean Philly there. Uh, just because the Vikings, they had a really good game last week. NFL's yeah. weird like that, back and forth. By the way, I, I did get uh, Minnesota minus three and a half first half last week. Oh, good. There you go. With another play against the Giants. Yep. Jacksonville minus one to New Orleans. I want to take Jacksonville. <laughs> tough one. But dang, like, there's just there's just a caveat with every game that I've initially leaned to. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. T- tough lines. To wrap it all up, Zach Locks, da- Dallas, New York Jets, first half under 21 and a half. Yep. Chargers, first quarter, minus a half point to the Steelers on Sunday night. Atlanta, Arizona, over 51. Yes, sir. I'm laying the three with the Rams against the Niners, catching two with the Titans in Denver, and uh, muscling up with a Miami Dolphin money line. <laughs> Let's and go. And hating myself Sunday afternoon. <laughs> For Zach Schlegel, I'm Judah Newby. Follow him at Zach Schlegel. I'm at Judah Newby at 750 The Game. This is Bet the Game, powered by 750thegame.com. We'll see you guys next week.